You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. For those of you all who do not know, I am not Brandon Williams, the pastor here. Um, <clears throat> I am his brother-in-law. So I don't know if that counts for anything or not. But my name is Chad Wiggins, and I, like most of you, am a layperson. Um, I know what that means. I'm one of you. I don't work here at the church. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a clergyman. I am a regular old Joe just like you. But let me tell you what I am. I'm humbled to be here today. I'm privileged to be here today. And I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Before we get started, I want to talk to you a minute about something we have at our church. It's an important piece of what we do. It's called Connect Groups. Um, What I'd like for you to know about Connect Groups are this. Um, Our church has a lot of people. We've got close to 1,000, 1,100 people coming to church with us every Sunday. Our Connect Groups are a way of us kind of smalling that down a little bit. We try to put people in groups of 10, 12, 14 people where you can actually live life together. Our Connect Groups meet once a week. Um where you get to fellowship, you get to be with other Christian brothers and sisters, um, you get to cry together, you get to celebrate together, and really just to be there with each other. Um, As you can imagine, our staff has eight or ten people. Brandon's one pastor. Trying to meet every need of a thousand people is impossible. So what we ask you to do is to Get plugged in. Get into a connect group um, and let those people love on you. Let you will be ministered to, but you'd be amazed how you can minister to those in that group as well. So if you're not in a group, I just want to highly encourage you to get in a group. We're going to ramp that back up starting the week of January 19th. Um, If you need to know more about that or if you say, hey, how do I how do I sign up for that? That's me. I want to be in a group. At our, in each one of these hallways, we've got next step tables. Uh, there'll be somebody there that can sign you up. There'll be somebody there that can certainly tell you a lot more than what I just told you. But this is an important part of who we are at Connection Church. So if you aren't in a group, man, we'd love for you to pray about that and say, Lord, get me in a group. Help me figure out where I need to be. All right, let's get started this morning. <clears throat> um, today, we are going to be reading in... The Bible, praise God, huh? So for those of y'all who have that, I want you to turn to the parable of the talents. That is in Matthew 25, verse 14 through 30. We're going to read the whole thing. It's fairly long, so I'll try to read swiftly for you. So again, the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. All right, here we go. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord, of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. 
But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just your word and how real and alive it is to us, Lord. I pray that our hearts will be softened today, that it'll be fertile ground for, Lord, for you to pierce that, for you to plant that, Lord, so that whatever it is you have for us today, it'll grow and will not be the same when we leave here today. And that's all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, man, I lost my spot. Let me mention this to y'all. When I was in seventh grade, seventh grade was a pretty big deal, right? It's kind of when things really started to matter. And so when I was in seventh grade, there was something that came out, and it was called Air Jordans. Anybody remember Air Jordans? Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player. He had his own shoes. He came out with these shoes, and boy, everybody wanted them. Today, they'd probably be called, the, and probably are called the LeBrons or Air LeBrons or whatever. But anyway, real fancy stuff. Everybody had them, and boy, I sure wanted them. And somehow, I convinced my folks to get me a pair. And man, was I sporty when I went in there the next day to school, had my Air Jordans on. They didn't really make me jump any higher, didn't make me run any faster, but they sure made me feel good. One night, I took my shoes, went to basketball. Um, had a basketball game in the old Grady Street gym. Went out there, played the game, had my Air Jordans on. I'm sure I had 30 or 40. Probably not. But whatever it was, um, it was raining outside when I had to leave. I was like, man, I don't want to mess my brand new Air Jordans up. So I took them off, put some other shoes on, and we took off to the house. Well, when I got home, guess what? I left my Air Jordans at the Grady Street gym. Oh, I felt bad. I was like, Dad, can we please go back and get those? Please, please, please. He said, sure, we'll go do that. So we went back to the gym. I walked in, been down to get them, and they weren't there. Oh, my gosh. Guess what? They're gone. Somebody got them. Somebody else had my brand-new Air Jordans on. So what do you do? Well, my dad, being a loving father, he said, don't you worry about that, Chad. I'd fix that. So we took off. Next thing I know, we're pulling in the Kmart parking lot. I said, okay. I didn't know they sell Air Jordans. <laughs> so we walked on in and we eased up. And I don't know if y'all, some of y'all probably remember this. I don't even know if they still do. But the old blue light special. Anybody ever remember that? And I'm not real sure if it was there, but it sure felt like it was on. We walked up. There was this big old crate. Winner's choice. Tennis shoes. $10.99. And my dad looked at me and he said, son, pick any pair you want. (laughs) So we learn those lessons, don't we, in life? We learn about responsibility. It's funny how different things stick out and what we learn from. But when I was 20, around 20, I don't know, I was in college, I know that. I had a job scouting cotton. Um, Don't know how many of you all have ever scouted cotton, but it was a good summer job, good money. What that means is um, a farmer will actually hire you. Um, In my case, it was an extension agent, but and you go and you walk through the different fields that the farmers have checking and scouting the cotton to see if there's worms or if there's insects or what that is. So I got this job, didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew it was hot, but I knew it paid pretty good, so it was worth it. And anyway, so we, I go through the fields, and once you got done that day, you filled out a report saying, hey, here's a, there wasn't any eggs or there wasn't any worms or insects, very little, or there's a lot. And that farmer used that information to take and 
decide whether or not he's going to spray that field. So I did that for a while. And then one day I had some buddies of mine. Y'all know buddies. They got to talking to me and said, man, you ought to skip work today. Oh, man, we got something good planned. So guess what I did? I skipped work that day. Well, we had fun too. And I even went, not only did I skip work, I even went and filled out that little report saying that I went to work that day. So the next day I woke up ready to go to work and man, I felt guilty. I felt terrible. I was raised better than that. But I went that day, y'all. I worked. Man, you should have seen me working. I was scouted in the field. I was down checking this stuff. And I, you know how you do when you just had that feeling. I was sweating profusely. It was hot, but I was doing it. I was doing double time to make up for that. Well, I got to the last field that day. <clears throat> and I was kind of in the middle of the field working like crazy. And I looked up, and there were two men at the end of that field over there. I said, I wonder what they're doing. Who is that? Because I very rarely ran into anybody while I was doing that. So I still scouting and scouting and scouting and doing what I'm doing. And I got to the end and I kind of got up close and I looked and I said, okay, there's a guy that hired me. And there's a looks like a farmer guy with him. I said, I wonder what they want. So I walked up to those men. I'd been working like crazy. I kind of felt good about that. They saw me working hard. You know, the first thing out of that guy who hired me, his mouth was, he said, Chad, did you work yesterday? So, I didn't work. I lied about a report that I gave to him. And here he is asking me, did I work? So what do you do with that? So I looked him square in the eye and I said, no, sir, I did not. So the next few things out of his mouth went something like this. You bleepity, 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 bleepity. And then he said, you're fired. I was 20 years old. Grew up, good family. Knew better. You talking about a low place that day? This big. It's embarrassing today for me to tell you that. It's not... It was a bad, bad day. But you know what? That's who I was at that point. Apart from Christ, that's who I am. I'm pretty greedy. I'm pretty just selfish in every way. I'm arrogant. I think I ought to be doing this. It's about me. Know this, that's not a fun story to relive. That's something I buried deep. And I didn't want to share that with you today, but the Lord impressed that on me. and said, Chad, you need to let them know who you are without me. and Because then I want them to see who you are with me. Amen? All right, let's get started then. Today we're going to talk about stewardship. So as we start thinking about stewardship... And as I began studying on it, I asked several people, I said, well, what do you know about stewardship? Some knew a little, some knew a little more, kind of got a varying degree of this. So my hope today is this, is that when we get done, we all will have a better understanding of what stewardship means. So let's start here. Stewardship. A steward is one who manages the possessions of another. Okay, so it's one who manages the possessions of another. So we've got biblical stewardship. For some of you church folks that have grown up in the church, you've heard, well, we need to be a good steward, right? We need to be a good steward with our finances and with our time. And then I think about, but, but there is a secular way of looking at stewardship. When you think about environmental stuff, I've heard people talk about being a, a good steward of our environment. I remember back when I was in high school, I was riding down the road with a buddy of mine, and he said, 
um, or, or I, we had been to somewhere to eat, and I had just finished off a cheeseburger, whiffed it down, balled that stuff up, and boom, threw it out the window. He just about wrecked his car. He went, oh! He said, what are you doing, man? You can't do that. He said, you can't throw that trash out. I was like, oh, I just did. And he said, man, you don't understand. He goes, our kids are going to be walking around in trash. He was a steward of our environment. He knew that we better take care of our earth, of what had been entrusted to us. So again, stewardship is the management or looking after something that is not ours. So as I begin looking through this, there are four principles of stewardship. I'm going to run through those for you. Um, Ownership. First principle of stewardship is ownership. Second is responsibility. Third is accountability. And the fourth is reward. So as we start talking about ownership, I want to look back at the parable of the talents. I want us to make sure we follow this. This is pretty clear. So in the parable of talents, in verse 14, when we're talking about ownership, let me read this to you. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Pretty clear, pretty cut and dried about who's the owner here, right? Who's the master? So the master had these goods. He's going on a trip and he gives them to his servants. So we know who owns those. So, this is where it gets pretty tough real quick. God owns everything we have, right? No doubt about it. From the beginning, Genesis 1-1 says what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created us and everything in it. So, why is it that we all think that when we die... And the old hearse comes rolling through and we're in it. We're going to have a big old 18-wheel U-Haul behind it, taking all our stuff with us. Understand this. There's nothing here that we get to take with us. You know, for me, it's more about my money, my time. Have you ever said this to yourself? I work really hard for that money. I'm on... I'm going to do something with that for me. I'm going to do a little something nice for myself. Or have you said this? Hey, um, I put in a lot of hours this week, man. I work really hard. I, I'm going to deserve a little time off. Because that's me. I used to think like that all the time. Until the Lord began to show me that it is all His. What I do with His money, I better be checking with Him. I'm not to say that we can't enjoy some of those things, but what I am saying is it, we can first have to recognize it is his. It's his time. It's his money, his relationships that he has entrusted to us. He gives us this responsibility to manage all those things and do it well and do it according to his purposes, not our purposes. So the first principle of stewardship is ownership. We have to understand that, hey, God, it's all yours. We're going to live like that. The second is this, responsibility. Look in verse 15 of the parable. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So the master, the owner... He gave pretty good responsibility to his servants. He gave one five, one two, and one one. He said, hey, I'm gone. You do what I, you know I want you to do with it. As I think about responsibility, for me as a parent, um, probably the largest responsibility is having kids in my life. That's the largest thing I've ever endured. I remember when we had our first child, being up at the hospital, And that child coming in, man, glorious time, wonderful. One of the things that's so wonderful is you're sitting in there and that child starts screaming. Here comes old nurse to say, hey, have you changed that diaper? Oh, I'm supposed to do that? I didn't know. Somebody told me that. At night, something goes on. They come in. 
Hey, have you fed the baby yet? Mm, no, that'd probably be a good idea. I don't make him stop crying. So it was really nice that we had people with us there to guide us through that. And I can remember when Nancy and I came home. We were so glad to leave that hospital in a way, just to be home and on our own. But I remember walking through that door and sitting down, and I looked over there at that little youngin in that <laughs> seat, and you talking about the weight of the world. That responsibility is mine, right? But how many of us look at that as being, are those really, are they God's kids? Or are they our kids? We've got to realize that really they're on loan. We have them on loan to us to raise them the best we can. He entrusts us with them to protect them, to guide them. But we've got to remember they're his. Okay? One of my favorite Bible stories is by Abraham in the Bible. It's very similar to what I'm talking about with having kids. It was Abraham, faithful guy. So faithful was accounted as righteousness. But God put him to the test, a test that I know I'd never want. When he asked him to sacrifice his own son. So here Abraham and Isaac are trotting up the mountain together. Abraham knowing the whole time that he is going up there with his son and is going to basically have to sacrifice his son. You talking about trusting the Lord and knowing the Lord? I don't know if I'm up for that. Sacrifice your own son. And we know the story is that he did not have to do that, but he was ready. He had the knife drawn. He was ready. That's knowing and having that relationship with God with knowing what he has, what he entrusts us with, being responsible with his things. Now, with responsibility... The third thing comes accountability. Let me read to you in verse 19 real quick. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled with settled accounts with them. So doggone it, that owner, instead of leaving those guys with that, he came back to see how they did, that doggone rascal. So there is accountability in what we're doing. So we've got ownership, we've got responsibility, and with responsibility comes accountability. Do you know this, that each of us will be held accountable for what we've done here on earth? It's real. It's in the Bible. We all will have to give account of our time, of our resources, of our money, where it kind of gets tough for me. How am I spending my time every day? I'll tell you this story. We were playing baseball one day. My little son's got a little team and um, we played and we played this team out of Augusta and they beat the brakes off of us. And um, we ran into them the next day in the same tournament and somehow our kids rose up and we beat that team. And Y'all, I was blown away. You know, you hear so much in Little League Baseball and how people act crazy and go nuts over little Johnny. And we got done with that ball game. And that coach came up to us and he said, I want to talk to you and your team. And he got us all on the mound, his team and ours. And y'all, he began to bring down fire from heaven over our kids. He began to praise them. And build them up and tell them how much courage they had to stand up and answer the bell against his team. And then after that, he prayed over our team and granted us best wishes to win the rest of that tournament. Y'all, that's taking a day, a daily activity, a worldly thing, and building for eternity, right? We will be accountable for those things. Everything we do, we will be accountable for. Let me read this to you. Um, it says in Revelation 26, it says that some of us will reign with Christ. 
It says in Matthew 25, 21, and 23, faithful servants will be put in charge of many things. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, 3, it says that some of us, some of us will even command angels. Amazing. But you know what? We all are going to have a turn. And I'm not talking about saved and unsaved. I'm talking about all of the saved, all of the redeemed. We will have a turn in front of Christ where he will hold us accountable. That's reason in itself that we need to be living the life he has guided us to live. Think about, say one last thing about accountability. We live here, how long will we be here? Hopefully a long time, 80 years. I'm 40 years old. 40, 50, 60, maybe 70, maybe 80. Boy, it feels like a long time. But it's like this. And you know what we do here on earth? You know what it matters from a worldly standpoint? Zero. Zero. If it's not for the kingdom, if it's not for eternal purposes, zero. You better get your satisfaction here. Because there is a day. How can we not, how can we not plow into the kingdom of God, into the eternal, knowing that we're here for this window? A bunch of things I read. They had this dot, which is us in our life, and they had an arrow that went off the page. Eternity. Here is our life here on earth. One little dot. And the arrow goes on and on and on. If you hadn't ever thought about life from an eternal perspective, I'd encourage you today is the day you need to start thinking like that. All right. So we've got ownership, we've got responsibility, accountability, and the last one is reward. Let me read to you in verse, starting in verse 20. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. Verse 21 says this, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And he says the same thing for the guy with two talents. So the good news is this. For those who are living this way, who are um, doing the things that Christ would have you to do, know this. He's logging every one of them. He's keeping track of it. Have you ever, do you ever get to where you go, why am I doing this? Why? Why? Nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention. Every prayer logged, every dollar spent, every minute that you're trying to pour into somebody else's life to make a difference, he's watching. Christ is logging that for us. Praise God. Is that awesome or what? I'm pumped when I hear about that. Because there's many a days I go, man, what am I doing, man? I'm beating my head against the wall. Think about it like this. I know most of us are way too wise to have uh, had any kind of thing about like real estate. Say we want to invest in real estate. None of us probably did that over the last several years. Didn't go so good in some cases. But think about it, even the stock market, up and down, up and down, real estate, up and down, and still down, 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 down. But it'll be back. Um, but you know the only place you have guaranteed return? In the kingdom. Guaranteed return in the kingdom. That's where we need to be investing our time and our money, our resources. But there is reward. So again, as we talk about stewardship, ownership, we got to know who owns it all, and that's God. We got to be responsible. He's entrusted that to us. Accountable. He is going to hold us accountable. We'll have a day before Christ that we're accountable. But the good news is there will be a reward for those who have done with his purpose. So as I read through this and I was studying this, I got to fess up a little bit. 
I kind of felt bad about the guy with the one talent, right? It wasn't like he blew it. He, he didn't not. I mean, it wasn't like he took it and spent it on himself. And I think part of me, I, was, I could relate to that guy. I mean, I, I'm kind of conservative. I'm a little tight myself. And I got a plan for kids, education, and, and retirement, and all those things. And I kept just pondering over that. Why? Why? This guy had his one talent. But let me read this to you in verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I don't think that servant knew. He didn't know his master. I don't think he truly knew who he was. And and kind of as I've been pondering over that, man, that kind of tells on me a little bit. Because this is what I do know. God, when it comes to giving, will never outdo him, right? He gave the one thing, the most important thing, the ultimate gift. I don't know how else to say it. The best, the most awesome. He gave the biggest F. 550 decked out big wheels whatever he didn't give us old pinto to drive around he gave us the best his son right unblemished to come and die for us so is it fair for him to expect us to have a little return on his investment so stewardship Stewardship's one thing, but I, I really want to press in a little deeper with you. I want to press in about giving. When you hear some people that have been in the church that talk about giving or stewardship, they think stewardship campaign, meaning we pledge what we can give for a year. They think about building campaigns. Oh, no, stewardship campaign. Uh-oh, everybody, get ready. But I, I do want to talk about giving, and I want to talk about um, as Christians, what our expectation is. I think it's very fair to say, as Christian, we're givers. Would y'all agree with that? We, we are, we're givers. But the thing I want to start with is we can't forget this. God gave first, right? He's the ultimate giver. He's the one who started it for us to show us what a life with Christ is. But let me go this route with you. When I think about Christians as givers, First thing I'll tell you is what? We give our lives to Christ. When we begin in a relationship with the Lord, we have to surrender our life. We get to that place and we go, man, there's no other way. Lord, I can't do it without you. I got to have it. And we are ready to give our life to Christ. So we're givers. We give our life. Next week, we give our hearts to the Lord, right? We say, Lord, take my heart, mold it. I know for me, man, he, he made me mush. He had to. I was hard-hearted. He gave me a new heart. I began to, to have compassion and love in ways that I knew it wasn't me. I was a wretched old thing. But he, be, he began to change who I was. And after that, I think about our minds. We give our minds to, to Christ. We begin to dig in the Word. It's how we learn. We learn more about how do we be more like Christ. We use our minds to filter what we let into our life. Whether we watch this on TV, whether we listen to this kind of music, we have to have a mind like Christ. It has to be transformed. And then we give our hands and feet to the Lord. As we give our life, as we give our heart, as we give our mind, then our hands and feet come with it. We begin to live not for us anymore. We begin to live for those around us. God has transformed who we are. And we begin to be overflowing and go, I want you to have what I've got. You want others to experience what the Lord has shown you. So he gives our hands and feet to the Lord. So as we talk about that, think about it. It's all about giving. God gives we give. A, a Christian life is about giving. We go from being selfish 
to selfless. It's an obedience to God. So let me ask you this. Why don't we give our money? We're givers, right? We get it all right until we get to that place. So there's a bunch of Bible verses. I got to reading through it. I can't even tell you all of them. There are Bible verse after Bible verse about giving and the joy of giving. Brandon gave us a book. I don't know if, if, how many of y'all got it. It's been a couple months ago. The Treasure Principle. Great book to read about giving and about money. In that book, it talked about, talked about God's grace is the action and our giving is the reaction. Does that make sense? God showed us his grace, which grace is nothing but unmerited favor. And his, uh, our giving is our reaction to what he gave us. He also put it like this in that book. God's grace is the lightning and our giving is the thunder that follows. it. So giving comes from the heart, right? Giving jumpstarts our relationship with God. So it opens our fist so then we can receive what God has for us. Hard to receive anything if your fist is closed like that. Two other things I want to mention that I read through this that I thought were really good. It says, gaze upon Christ long enough and you'll become a giver. So gaze upon Christ long enough and you'll become a giver. If you give long enough, then you'll become more like Christ. So if we give long enough, we will become more like Christ. I'm going to give you a couple examples real quick. I got a Christian buddy of mine. He and I have been playing ball together with some guys, some young men. I, I, I hate to call them underprivileged, but let's just put it this way. They grew up different than I did. They look a little different than I do. And the cards are way more stacked against them than what they were for me. Awesome time, awesome guys. But one of these guys was out of high school, had zero going for him, and all of a sudden he has an opportunity to go to college to play ball. Small little school, but hey, it's a start, right? So he comes up to my buddy one day and tells him about it. And he says, hey, I got this chance. It's my chance. Let me tell you what's going to happen if I don't get to go. I'm going to run the street. I'm going to be in trouble. And my buddy immediately ponied up. No questions asked. He said, I'm with you, brother. We'll get you there. Stroked a $500 check or paid him $500 cash. He bought him a plane ticket to go to Colorado to a little old school to give that kid a chance. And he also gave him a little spending money. I'm talking about this guy had zero in his life. There's no way he gets out there. But this guy, my friend, my brother in Christ, he understands giving, y'all. He's willing to do that because he knows he's planting for the kingdom. It's about the kingdom. And you know what's crazy? That guy sits right here in this church. He sits in here every Sunday. That's what's awesome. I got another buddy, owns a business. He took over business. Man, it was struggling. He struggled with it, struggled with it. And then his relationship with the Lord really began to turn. He began to grow. And what he figured out real quick, and I think he would tell you this, is that it wasn't until he gave his business to the Lord that he began to see his business turn. His business up to that point was, was nothing, hanging on by a thread. But this guy, he said, man, you talking about ownership? He said, God owns my business. I had to give it to him. I can't do it. I've tried it every which way. And ever, from, ever since that day, his business has gotten a little better and a little better and a little better. But you know what? The, thing I, the reason I share that is this. That guy is one of the most generous people I know. He is a giver. 
He knows where it comes from. He knows that the Lord is the owner. And it is, it's the Lord's business. Whatever comes out of it, he passes it on. You know what else he does? He sits right here in this church. We got him. We got people that give. We got people that understand generosity. And the reason I share that with you is I think it's important. Let me tell you what's amazing to me. And I love it. It's what I love about our church. Somebody gets saved, what do we do? We go crazy, right? I do. We clap. Woo, woo! I'm one of them. Man. I'm, I'm pumped about it. People get baptized. I get excited about that too. Same thing. Woo! I mean, and it's an awesome, awesome thing. It's who we are. We're here to collect, connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. But it's hard to celebrate givers in it. It's a little bit tougher to figure out, well, how do we do that? But that's important. It's an important part of who we are as a Christian. And you need to know that. We've got people in this church that they give and give out of abundance and out of the overflow. I tell you who, I tell you there's one I do want to tell you about. And this guy's got three kids, wife, got bills like the rest of us. Um, makes probably about half the money he made before he get, came here. And that's your own pastor, Brandon. This guy, about three weeks ago, he dumps his retirement account. He calls the guy and says, man, I wanna, I wanna, I'm selling out of my retirement account. He's giving it all to one and one. And I know we all go, well, uh, Brandon's the pastor. He ought to do that kind of stuff. Right? My gosh, it's he's his church anyway, about that. Y'all don't think he's got needs? You don't think his family? He's got three kids like I got three kids. He's got a wife. He's he's got bills. But he understands stewardship. He understands giving. And he he understands putting away for eternal purposes, right? He's not living here and investing in things where moths and rust will destroy. And you know why he does it? Not only does he have eternal reward coming, but he, he's got, his accountability is going to be different than ours. He's entrusted all of us. We are all under him. So when he goes before the Lord, he's going to have to answer about all of us. And did he do his best to bring all of us to the kingdom? But you know what he tells me when I talk to him about it? And I know this, and I know this, is that you're all worth it, right? You're worth every penny, right? Amen. You're doggone right you're worth it. And you know what else is cool about this? Not only are all of you worth it, but the 9,000 that are on the way, they're worth it too. And they're coming. They're coming. And we're getting ready for them. I want to mention this. Brandon said this before. He said, we really have four main areas of focus. We got evangelism, serving, community, and generosity. Evangelism. Y'all think we did pretty good at that, right? I certainly do. People get saved. Man, it is awesome. Unbelievable. Serving. Look at all the blue shirts we have. 500 people we have in, uh, as connectors that are serving. It's almost half our congregation. Community. I talked to you earlier about that. Connect groups. Probably close to 500 in there, too. Do a pretty good job with it. Generosity. If there's a spot that we need a little work, generosity. It's giving. It's knowing that we are plowing for eternity, y'all. Not for what we see here today, for eternity. I want to mention as 
Sunday that we uh, had the five-year anniversary. I know a bunch of y'all are probably here to that. It was back in November. I couldn't make it. Man, I was disappointed. We had, uh, my little girl had a softball tournament in Brunswick. Oh, it crushed me. I was like, man. So we played early Sunday morning. And praise the Lord, we lost. (laughs) So guess what? I got to make it. Man, we hightailed it back on I-95. We got pulled back in. It was 1130. I come walking through those doors. We normally sit right over here in this front corner. It was so crowded, we got to sit in the back back there. Or stand. Stood back behind everybody. Unbelievable that day. Unbelievable. As I sat back there, they rolled that video of Jeremy Parrish out. Unbelievable. Just melted my heart. I'm back there just tears just rolling. And then I had the, y'all, it, it, I just can't imagine, I just can't explain to you how impressive it was. I'm standing back there, all these people in here, and Brandon gives an invitation of people coming from death to life and to watch. Somebody stand up. Another one stand up. Another one, another one, another one. And here comes the crowd, right? And the crowd is roaring, man. It is awesome. And I'm just back there, just mush. I'm just like, unbelievable. 16 people that day got saved. Remarkable. I almost missed it. Thank you, Lord, for losses sometime, right? So then, shortly after that, y'all, baptisms. He says, anybody want to get baptized today? Here they come. 60-something people, right? 60 people got baptized that day. Boy, the Lord was thick in here that day. People clapping, roaring. I just sat back there like this. She was, couldn't hold it back. The Lord's presence was so thick to me. But you know what? I sat back there and I thought, that's why I give. That is why I give. Because you're worth it. Remember that. You are worth it. Those 9,000 coming, they are worth it. I want to end with this. I think back about that old day in the cotton field for me. I think about those two men that were there. How betrayed they probably felt. How angry they probably were with me. Boy, I was mighty disappointed. But probably not near like they were. But you know what? There's some of you in here that might have missed it in your life too to this point I'm thankful that the Lord he chose me he called me and I was willing to answer and say yes Lord I need you doesn't make that go away Um, but I am washed clean of that I'm forgiven but it's still something that I won't forget but I, I say that to say Today, we're talking about giving and stewardship and knowing the master and knowing who's our owner. There may be somebody here today that doesn't know him, who doesn't know the Lord. And I just want to take a minute today to say, if you're in here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. And in just a second, I'm going to ask you to stand if that's you. Because, man... It will be the best decision you will ever make in your life. Bar none. Bar none. So there's a bunch of people in here today. I don't know if we're all saved or not, but if it's if not, then I gotta give you that opportunity. So this is what I'm gonna do. If it's you, if you're sitting here and you go, man, I, I want a relationship with God. I want that. I want to change in my life. I want to be forgiven for what I've done. I want to start anew, become a new creature in Christ. If that's you, I want you to stand for me today. You know, I like awkward silence. It bothers some people, but I like it. 
But this is, this is real. And I want to just give it just a second. If you're there and your heart's pounding and, man, this is me, we want to celebrate that with you. got something else I want to mention to you. I do believe this, that stewardship is an important part of who we are as Christians. Giving is really who we are. We give our life, we give our hearts, we give our minds, we give our hands and feet, and we give our money. So today I want to do this. For those of you who will, for those of you who are, who today want to begin a new as a giver, I want to say, Lord, that's me. I'm going to jump on this thing. I'm going to give it all I got. Just as you gave your best, I'm going to give you my best. Will you stand with me today? I want to pray for you. So stand up if that's you. Very good. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. You will not regret walking a life with Christ as a giver. There's no greater thing. I know that. Let me pray with us. Lord, we just love you and we thank you today. Lord, thank you for these people that are just committed to be all you want them to be, Lord. Lord, we just are so humbled by the gift that you gave us in Christ Jesus, Lord. Lord, I just am thankful for the opportunity today to share. Lord, I just pray you'll bless these folks, Lord, that you'll guide them in every way, that you will nurture them, Lord, that we can be all in Christ that you want us to be. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.